0: Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the East Side Institute. I'm Lois Holzman, co-founder and director of the Institute, and I want to tell you where our title comes from. The Institute is a center for social change efforts that reinitiate human and community development. We support, connect, and partner with committed and creative activists, scholars, artists, helpers, and healers all over the world. Way back in 2003, Institute co-founder, the late Fred Newman and I had a paper published with the title, All Power to the Developing. This phrase captures how vital it is for all people to grow, develop, and transform emotionally, socially, and intellectually. If we are to have a shot at creating something positive out of the intense crises we're all experiencing, Our hope is that this podcast series will show you that far from a slogan, all power to the developing is a loving activity, a pulsing heart in an all too cruel world.
1: Welcome all, my name is Dan Friedman. I'm on the faculty of the Eastside Institute, the Artistic Director Emeritus of the Castillo Theater in New York City, and the former Associate Dean of UX, the All Stars Project's free university-like school for continuing development. And I'm your host for this episode of All Power to the Developing. I'm excited and honored to have as my guest today, Dr. Raquel Holmes. Raquel is a computational cell biologist and a pioneer in bringing improvisation and ensemble building into the world of scientific research. And that's a pretty unique combination, and she's as interesting as that combination sounds. Dr. Holmes earned her PhD in cell biology at the Tufts-Sackler School of Biomedicine and did postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical School. She then joined Boston University as a research professor and served as Director of Outreach, Recruitment and Retention at the University of Connecticut's Health Center. She is the author of the book, The Cell Biologist's Guide to Modeling and Bioinformatics. That's a hard one for me to say. Uh, Okay, in addition to her her, uh, scientific training, um, Dr. Holmes trained with the Eastside Institute in its performance-based approach to human development called Social Therapeutics. She brought her scientific background and her Eastside developmental training to the founding of improv science, where using play, performance, and improv, she coaches scientists in their development as collaborative builders of learning environments, environments in which everyone can contribute, be seen, and be valued. Dr. Holmes is also the founding chair of the Cultivating Ensembles Conference that brings together teachers, researchers, and students from across the broad spectrum of the arts, humanities, science, math, and technology. In addition to all that, Dr. Holmes is also a pioneer in bringing science, technology, engineering, and math, called STEM for short, education to poor and working class communities. While I've I've known Dr. Holmes for decades as a fellow builder of the development community of which the Eastside Institute and the All Stars Project are a part. It's through her work as a grassroots educator that we began to work together and become friends. Starting six or seven years ago, Dr. Holmes, working with me and Dr. Lenora Filani, the Dean of UX, that's the free university I mentioned earlier, created innovative, playful STEM classes for students at UX most of whom are working class adults of color. The way that science and math is taught in most of our public schools is is boring and dead and sends a clear message to students of color to stay away. Dr. Holmes has brought her love of science and her joy in teaching to transform how science is being taught at UX. Dr. Holmes, as you can hear, is an accomplished scientist, researcher, improviser, and teacher. And tying all that together, she is a great organizer. Her latest organizing initiative is Uncomfortable Independent Conversations, a series of Zoom conversations organized as part of the resurgent anti-racist movement in the United States that brings together these conversations, bring together scientists, academics, and people from many other walks of life, Black, white, Latinx, Asian American, gay, and straight, to have the difficult conversations about race and class that we need to have to keep our country developing. So by now you probably have a sense of why I'm so excited to share Dr. Holmes and her work with you. Welcome, Raquel.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to meet me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Um,
2: <laughs> that That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and, so and there's welcome. so much so much to explore in your work um, that it's a little daunting for me to even know where to begin. So I thought it might be right. good to, to start with your most recent initiative, the uh, Uncomfortable Independent Conversations. Could you uh, tell us a little more about that? What are they and and how and why did you start them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I started them, and Dan, it is really lovely being with you in this conversation. I just wanna say that I was thinking when you said um, the resurgence of the anti racist movement or anti-racism. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of the development community and how informing in the 60s and 70s, but 60s and 70s to be part of building something, building the Eastside Institute, the All-Stars, independent political movement, building something that we could stand on to continually fight for poor working class people of color. Yes. So it's in that spirit. So thank you for that work. That's that's why I'm saying that. And uh, um, it's in that spirit that uncomfortable, independent conversations has grown. Um, it is that colleagues of mine through this organizing as you said in the sciences um, and academia and kind of bringing arts performance and science together after Floyd's murder and people taking to the streets for black lives said what are you doing we want to do what you're doing and what we're finding helpful is conversations being able to talk with each other discover what we can do and so with that I issued an invitation to everybody in my mailing list saying, let's talk. We need to come together, have multiracial, cross-class conversations that bring us closer to one another um, because we have to create something new. And so, you know, about 100 people said, yes, I want to come to those conversations. They started back in June. June 19th was actually the first Mm-hmm. And we've discovered that um, people want to come together. We do like three sessions, like in a series when we mm-hmm. do an uncomfortable independent conversation. Uh people sign up for three Fridays and they come together and talk about what's awkward or challenging for them. The uncomfortable is it's them stretching themselves. It's they're creating, they're talking in a mixed environment with people they've not met before um, and saying things that they want to um, learn about advance. Anyway, that's the uncomfortable and it's independent because it's independent of their institutional locations um, so they can say what they need to in order to have conversations that develop them in our country.
1: Yeah. I get it. So it's independent of their universities or their research institutes or where they work so that they don't have to worry about yeah. any, any of that. And can, can you tell us some of the, you know, anecdote of an uncomfortable conversation that you've had with, in these groups? Yeah. What are some of the issues and challenges?
2: There's so many, um, they, I mean, and they emerge from the conversation itself. And they're very or they, they're very ordinary in some ways like part of the challenge of racism in our country is we're pitted against each other in terms of what we know so specifically um, when a black man or woman is killed in and dies in police custody, one of the things that and I would, It's not limited to white people, but let's say it's white people. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've had this question myself, like, well, what do you know? How did it happen? What could we know? Did they actually kill this person? And so this comes up, this came up in our uncomfortable independent conversation where a young white man said, well, I I don't know what to believe. And then um, one of the other participants, a young black woman said, my uncle died mm. in police custody and was killed in police custody.
1: Yeah, where does that? Where does something like that go? How how do you move? On, how do they? How did they move off of that?
2: Well, we do what we just did. We mm-hmm. nice. be quiet, and we're mm-hmm. emotional. And I, and I was thinking of um, Falani having said, maybe we should just all go to the streets and cry. Uh-huh. Because there's something about being able to be with each other in our pain where it's not about blaming and where we can actually say, I know a human being impacted by what's happening. Some people come to the UIC because they know me and they've uh-huh. heard my poetry and they're like, wait, Raquel, Dr. Holmes, she's impacted by racism? Like, I didn't know that. It's like, yeah, we are. We all are. So, it's a lovely opportunity for people to, in a very caring environment, because everybody who's coming is coming to grow. Right. So, the first thing we start with is one of the things we learn in the All Stars it's appreciation. It's appreciation for the fact that people come to a space online, on Zoom across the country and say, I want to do something in support of black lives. I want to grow. I want to develop. We'll go from there.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful and hard stuff. I really, uh, I, and and many other people who aren't directly participating who have heard of it are very grateful for you to, for initiating this work. Thank you. Uh, I want to now sort of widen the lens mm. although, although of course the work in those conversations is very broad and very impactful on so many levels but I want to widen the lens relative to you and your life so sure, sure. You, you're a scientist yes. you' imp- you're an improviser and and you're someone who's dedicated your life to uh, trying to helping to try to change the world to to make it more democratic, more Mm -hmm. equitable, more peaceful, growthful. Um, You are, in short, what we at the Eastside Institute have started to call a performance activist, someone who uses social therapeutics and performance and play to try to impact on on social reality. And uh, so it's a very interesting combination. I know other performance activists, but none of them are scientists. I know other scientists, but none of them are activists. So, I can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your your history, and your your passions, and how all these things came together for you.
2: Oh wow, um, that's lovely. I mean, I would say my passion. So it's actually it's very emotional, <laughs> but uh, my passion for activism grows from um, kind of. Where I grew up in my family. Um, both my parents were my mother was white, poor, working class, my dad black working class, where I Sonoma county, predominantly white, um, mental illness, um, the challenges of, you know, poverty as well as what does it mean to move up? in the United States to advance, like the, the philosophical, political challenges that come out in our emotions as we move up the ranks. Like that's, that's not talked about. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. talked about in that way that that's emotionally challenging. Anyway, I wanted to do something in the world very young where I was helping people to have what they need materially and emotionally. So that mm-hmm. somehow led me to biology. Somehow, (laughs) somehow, Uh, the somehow being I needed a day job is usually how I talk about it. I needed a day job. So I'd be a biologist while I figured out how to change the world. Fortunately, I met the development community in 1990s so that while I did my day job of graduate school, I could work on being an activist and changing the world. Hmm. Um, So that's that's and that's where I got introduced to performance. I learned performance through street organizing with Felani's campaign, uh, Jill Clowden uh, in Boston. I met her when she was running a city council, part of the new alliance party. And so I started learning what it looked like to be on the streets waving at people. Hi, take a minute for democracy. <laughs> Hi, uh, put somebody on the ballot. Hi, take a minute for democracy. And then later, take a minute for youth development. Support the All-Stars. Do you want to be in a talent show? Mm -hmm. Um, I honed and discovered the power of performance in my life, both through that organizing and through social therapy directly. Mm -hmm. I started being in a social therapy group in Boston um, in the 90s and have been in one ever since uh, because it helps me create my life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And um, I wanted but, that for everyone. I know I didn't touch on the science parts. So let me just say, so that was the performance and activism. And I wanted to bring that to scientists so they could grow too, because hmm. we're all people and we get to grow where we are. So I wanted to bring performance and social therapeutics to science.
1: Yeah, and I, and I know from other conversations we've had that you also love science. It, it isn't that yes. it's just a day job. No, yes.
2: that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, I do. It is is a rich discovery space, extremely playful. um, And most people don't get to see the playful side of it because it gets so caught up in what we know. Um, But the curiosity and the, what do you think, you know, like just following an idea is, is exciting.
1: Yeah. I I, I did want you to talk, to say that, that stuff because I don't think most of us are exposed to the excitement of of science and the curiosity of it. And, yeah, you know, e- even those who, you know, may have gone to college and whatever, whatever. I, I just, we all still, many of us still think of it. We're scared by the formulas. We're scared by n- not being knowers. Yes.
2: yes. Know. That, so it's beautiful. The cultivating ensembles conference is such a wonderful outgrowth of pursuing community building and performance with scientists and in academia. And at that conference, which is now chaired by uh, Jim Martinez um, at NYIT and Barbara Natalicio, um, who's working with UMass now, but um, they're the chairs. Mm -hmm. The beauty is you get to meet people who love their science. Like there's a guy in Australia, who teaches organic chemistry and he says i didn't understand why my students weren't as excited as i was about all of these organic chemicals like how could they how how did they not have a relationship to these to these things and then he said oh i realized they didn't see them as 3d objects they didn't have an imagining of them in space how could i do this how could i share it He collaborated with an artist, with a theater professional, and they created a dance, Mm. a dance of molecules. So you can actually see him perform for his students the physical movements of organic molecules. I'm sorry. I don't know how anybody could ever forget their professor dancing a molecule. <laughs> they will know. <laughs> they will know those structures for the rest of their lives.
1: Yes, yes, they have a very different relationship to them. That that's amazing. And so, your the cultivating ensembles is a is a, a conference a, and a, a professional network that you you founded, yes. right? Yes,
2: it is. Um, I got a National Science Foundation grant for um, improvisational theater, for computing scientists, and in that work, I met professionals around the country who were doing community building performance, and I invited them as a grassroots organizer to come Mm -hmm. together and meet one another and see what we could discover, and they said, oh, when we do this again next year, and I went, oh, (laughs) i guess we're doing this again um and so that was in 2012 um it meets biannually, and now of course given the pandemic we're doing coffee chats online where people come together and share their work and interests um and we get to explore things that aren't traditionally talked about in the walls
1: of academia wow and and how does um your your group your i guess that's a company your consulting firm is that the right uh, yeah, label for improv science
2: yes.
1: yeah tell us when and how that was founded and what it what that does and how it relates yeah. to that. so
2: improv science is is my business and again it continues all my work is in response to the needs of the scientific community in creating Culture, creating conversations, creating a way of growing. So, improv science, I started doing improv theater workshops at Harvard again um, as an experiment. And people said, and it was this question, right? Because you could say, like, oh, well, performance is always good. And it's like, well, is it? How is it good for us? How is it good for us as scientists? Is it good for us as scientists? So, I did the experiment do a workshop, ask people, see what they say. And they said, yes, this is really helpful. I get to know my colleagues in a new way. I get to uh, breathe and feel relaxed in my work environment. I don't have to know things as much. This is really helpful. Um, And so after doing that for a couple of years, I realized that I wanted to have an independent vehicle for providing services to our scientific communities that they needed, that it mm-hmm. wasn't on the whim of government funding or a particular focus at the time. I, I learned that from the development community, right? Mm-hmm. having something independent. Um, and so I do webinars, workshops, coaching, and creating inclusive environments is mostly what I'm doing right now. It's an engaging webinar online where I help people experience creating a welcoming, appreciative environment with their colleagues. And sometimes it's the first time they've had that moment to really say hello to another co-worker in a way that says, I want to build our work environment with one another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if, if there are scientists or researchers or uh, medical doctors out there listening right now, how would they get in touch with with improv science?
2: No. Yeah. Improvscience.org, my website is the best place. And then, of course, emailing me. And I often also go by my first name, Raquel, which is R-A-Q-U-E-L-L I two. My parents like to give me extra letters. <laughs> raquel at improvscience.org.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Raquel. Uh, this might be a good time for us to, to take a quick break, learn a little bit more about the Eastside Institute. And when we come back, I hope we can talk a little bit about the work we've done together at UX. That'd be great. Okay.
2: I'm Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. Like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas.
0: Like everything at the Institute, the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support and now back to our conversation.
1: Welcome back to All Power to the Developing with Dr. Raquel Holmes. I'm your host, Dan Friedman, and we are going to pick up where we left off a few minutes ago um, as, and talk about Dr. Holmes's work uh, as a grassroots educator, bringing STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math it, it, to, to communities, uh, uh, support communities, especially in New York, where we had built. Uh, the All Stars Project, which I was I'm a part of, where Dr. Lenora Filani, who we've mentioned, you know, mentioned throughout the the conversation, who was an indep- is an independent political leader, but also uh, a a builder of community organization. She built the All Stars. She co founded it with Dr. Fred Newman, and she built UX, this this free school where the teachers were all volunteers. The students could sign up for anything. There were no grades. There was no um, People came because they wanted to learn. They wanted to try something new, and into that environment, Doctor Filani, if if my memory serves me right, Doctor Holmes—turned uh, said to you, "Can you bring science to to UX?" And and you said yes. Could you take a, pick up the story there?
2: I was so excited. It was like I think I couldn't imagine like from a more wonderful moment when you get to speak with you know. Uh, Falani, Dr. Falani, have her call you up and said, could you bring me this? And you say, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to bring you scientists to help grow our, our communities. It was awesome. Um, and that at the, the work of building, cultivating ensembles, as well as even before improv science, there's a community of educators, scientists, that do outreach and education programming and their goal i mean it gets talked about as if it's to just bring everybody up in science to bring us into the establishments yet their their desire is to transform our communities and so now i had this opportunity to invite colleagues that i'd been meeting to bring their science and expertise to poor working-class communities of color at the all-stars and um so i invited uh Nick Gross, Sophia Borinskaya, uh, Jennifer Novotny, like, and and the invitations are always there to come and create the STEM program, right? How do we create the science faculty? And that it would be an improvisational process where the focus was not on the content, but on our developing. And um, they love it. They love every moment of it. They get to be creative alongside the students they get to we dan you and i were talking about eggs earlier Mm -hmm. it wasn't on tape but we were talking about eggs one of our classes was a chemist a physicist and a biologist come and talk about an egg like who that's what we did we did a class on eggs it's beautiful (laughs) um and you could really experience what is again this uh philosophy and Um, commitment to everyone growing, the students growing, the faculty growing, that we are discovering what it is to learn together and to learn science together that goes again across race and class. Mm -hmm. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really admired about that process is you came in and none of us really knew how to do it, including you. And you tried mm-hmm. things, you just kept trying things. And we found out what clicked and what people responded to and, and, how, and how they had fun. And, uh, and then having fun grew, grew. I mean, yes. the, in addition to the egg class, why don't you say one or two other things that we did at, at UX that was oh, innovative. Oh, so lovely,
2: right? So uh, Dion Paul, who uh, works at Google, brought the um i'm going to call it google glass which is not the right name actually but um he was very much a part of developing the um virtual tours that are a part of uh, google and he brought them to 42nd street and so we you know we went on tours of egypt and other places um, that was part of a science day that we did so we did the immersive trip. Then we also had um, people building motors and off of batteries with machine elements. We had microscopes going through. So we did essentially like a science fair yet the science where where we created like a miniature museum but it was Mm -hmm. the having the 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 science as visible to everybody so there's a great space where you could be like in the lobby and walking by and be like oh what's that it's like it's a microscope it's a camera and so again we're playing with how we see things um and i get to you know play mc and support the, again, the students and the faculty learning to talk with one another. I think that's the most important part when we think about the relationship of science mm-hmm. um, in, our, or in our communities with anyone. It is the relationship among the human beings that changes the relationship to the content. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I was also so impressed with your scientists that you came to teach as volunteers who would drive five hours from Boston to New York uh, to teach a class uh, that you you did a great job of organizing them and I've met some great people through that um,
2: yes.
1: so thank you for that I mean one of them uh, dr. Nick gross who you, you mentioned he, he did a, something that was really fun it, when we did the, when we had the solar eclipse he, yes he he did a, a one week, a class teaching people how, what a solar eclipse is. And then the next time, we, he had all these kind of glasses so you could watch it. And the class left the building. Raquel mentioned 42nd Street. That's where the All-Stars is located. Just a few blocks from the Hudson River. We went down to a pier there where we could see it. And it was amazing. It was sort of like the Pied Piper because we get people joined as we went along. And by the end of that session, over 100 people were watching the, the solar eclipse with the scientist and learning all about it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And he wrote a chapter about it. It it was, I think it was, there was uh, about how we organize people's relationship to an event where you're not right on the path, right? Because it's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of what we're doing is you don't have to be, you don't have to fit in the descriptions and the labels that people give us in order to be creating community or a relationship again to that event. Mm -hmm.
1: It's right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the, so again, thank you. I think you played a really big role in UX helping UX to discover new ways of learning and teaching and by tackling it, bringing it to science. I mean, we did it in all other sorts of ways too, but I thought you had the hardest challenge and, and showed some of the, um, uh, the, the most, uh, I guess guts is the word chutzpah Mm. to to try new things so um anyway when and
2: i appreciate that
1: sure i I think it
2: was part of that dan is um really building on our improvisational spirit and the recognition of that when we're building community and when i think of improvisational i think of um, fred really highlighting it is the relational. It's the relational part of our of what is improvisational, right? And in it's what did we need at the All Stars? What did the faculty need? What did the students need? What did you and I need?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. We
2: weren't separate. Like our relationship, building our relationship was key to being able to try new things.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And the Fred that the that... Raquel is referring to as Fred Newman, who was a co-founder of the All-Stars and the co-founder of the Eastside Institute and who passed away in 2011. But he was and remains uh, uh, the driving creative force behind a lot of what we do. Um, um, Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's very important what you're saying about um, the relational element of, of improv or any kind of conscious performance is more important than any of the techniques you know you you can reduce improv to yes and this and that and play all kinds of games with it but the idea that you are open to offers from other people and then you accept them and build and make your own contribution and that is how we built the stem program at at ux and you know, yeah now you know the, the name of our our podcast of course is all power to the developing and the Eastside institute has you know development is such a a word with so many meanings in different contexts you know it can range from the development department of a nonprofit which is raises the money to a underdeveloped country meaning a non-industrialized country or it's just so many meanings but the way we think about it and i know you know this but i'm i'm going to rearticulate it for our audience is that um you know development on, on a most basic level is human beings having the ability to see new possibilities and the environment and to be able to do something with those, to try something out with those new possibilities. And so all of your work, as I see it, is helping people and institutions, in this case, education and science to develop. And I wanted to see if that um, rings, resonates with you. And if so, what what your thoughts on on development are relative not just to science and education, but to human relations and in the world.
2: Right. Well, was, when you said the developing referencing Fred again, it's, it's, it's amazing when you meet some people and, and they say, in in the context of however many ways you interact, they say a sentence that you hold on to, right? Mm-hmm. And one of one of those sentences was, um, "Science cannot develop in the context of knowing everything, right? Like if you're if you're in the results, if you're only in the knowledge part, then how mm-hmm. do you grow? How do you develop? How does science develop?
0: Mm-hmm. And so I,
2: I in my like. Uh, I don't, I have, you know, grand aspirations. I'm like, I'm going to develop science. Let's develop science. Um, and um, like, so this discovery process. So that was all very exciting. I think that's still the work and how that, I think of, ab- go ahead.
1: That, that quote is from Fred that you said it's stuck in your head. Yeah.
2: The, the, the quote is something more like, um, there's a limitation that makes it impossible for science to develop. Mm-hmm. So, And it's either in one of his talks or one of the books. I don't remember which, but it's kind of what has stuck with me. Um, And so being able to be curious, being able to ask questions, to discover and build together is a way of developing. So I think of the developing in our work, my work, it's how do I support people creating with one another there's something about who we are, being present who with who we are, not who we're supposed to be. Not, and, and that's the biggest part, right? Like we have so many ways we're taught who we're supposed to be, that we run away from who we are. So in becoming, so I love the becoming word development. There's something about change. This I'm doing a poetic riff, right? The the kind of between who we are and who we will become there is a change and yet that's being who we are and creating with others so Mm -hmm. there's a beauty in bringing our experiences of who we are to other people so that we grow and not knowing what that will be on the other side Mm -hmm. that's what people experience in the uic as they experience them bringing who they are, their conflicts, their challenges, and discovering with other people a new possibility, some way of being in the world that's new.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was a beautiful poetic rift. Um, that uh, I don't know about other listeners, but it really it reverberated with me. Um, I mean, we could talk for hours, um, but we can't because there's a limit to our 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 time on the podcast, but, um, I do, you know, you were talking about the, uh, uncomfortable improvisational, no, impo- uncomfortable. It is, but
2: it's independent. It's independent. In, I, I'm going to use that <laughs>
1: <laughs> uncomfortable improvisational conversation. It might work. <laughs> and, and independent. Yes. And, uh, and those are ongoing, right. They're still happening or it, you're open to them continuing. Yes
2: yes they will they are ongoing and they're growing um so it's the improvscienceorg slash uic um, mm-hmm. is what will allow people to find the uh, the current offering of improv science mm-hmm. of the uncomfortable independent conversations and the participants are the ones who are growing it so they're talking about their experience with others and saying, "Hey, you know, you can come to this too." Right.
1: Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So th- that uh, link will be on the on the website's um, website as well. So if you didn't if you didn't write that down fast enough, you can go there and check. And encourage you if, if you do want to have some uncomfortable, independent conversations. Raquel is a great person to do it with. Uh, she she knows how to, to uh, improvise and she knows how to lead and uh, to create ensemble. So please do that if you're interested. And of course, if you're a scientist, uh, meet, get in touch about improv science. And uh, I just want to thank you, Raquel, you, um, yeah, just scientist, improviser, teacher, all around developmentalist for, for joining us today on All Power to the Developing. Those of you in the audience who found this of interest, please go to our, our, wherever you can get your podcasts. And one of the places is the Eastside Institute's uh, homepage. And uh, check out some of our other episodes. We have people from all over the world who are doing creative, interesting, playful work like Raquel. So please check it out. Thank you. And all power to the developing.
2: All power to the developing.